Dennis Stewart, good afternoon. Welcome along. Good afternoon, Mark. Very good to see you back. Noted monarchist, by the way. I am. <laughs> I am. I'm a loyal servant of the crown. I uh, know you've been watching all the footage. <laughs> and But we'll, we'll shift gears a little bit today yes, because yes. we're hitting spring. Now, yes. I know you've been seeing all the, the plant life yes. just starting to re-emerge. Yes, yes. I imagine in that that there are some really decent herbs that just sort of emerge this time of year as well. Tell us more. Look, there are. This is an amazing time. I'll preface my comments by saying that two things come over to me presently. My neighbour's jasmine with its beautiful scent, which comes out every year and tells me that we're into the summer period. I'm sneezing already. Has anyone, (laughs) and I'm sure people have, have anyone out there noticed the brilliant blossoming of the wattle? And coming down even this morning driving out from Cessnock, the number of wattle trees along the road and the scent of them is incredible. So here we have a beautiful indication that we're moving into a good time and are there some medicinals that for the first time are showing their colours? There are indeed, and I'll mention a couple of them this morning, outstanding ones which at this time of the year, even in my home, are asserting themselves. Three of the most important ones are actually asserting themselves in my home in the valley at present. And uh, the three herbs that I want to mention today, listeners may or may not have heard me talk about it before, is the herb, well, I call it a herb, but it's a small tree known as Vitex agnus castus. Um, I've always been a great exponent of this remarkable, and it is a remarkable uh, medicinal plant, and uh, have had a lot to do in promoting its use, the growing of it here in Australia. I think it was probably the first to attempt to grow it in the Hunter Valley. Uh, Gave the first lectures on it and developed some of the first products from the berries of Vitex agnus castus, sometimes known as chase tree, for a very good reason, that the the berries of Vitex agnus castus, that's its Latin or botanical name. I would have guessed that. (laughs) Vitex agnus castus. Chase trees, one of the names it has because... The berries of it were used in medieval times to uh, uh, to be given uh, to priests in particular uh, to uh, lessen some of their potential amorous activities. So the term chase tree. And interestingly... interestingly so the chase tree is the opposite of the blue pill. Yes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> interestingly, interestingly... He just waves the, that off and keeps hor- moving, the, by the, the way. The hormonal characteristics of the herb tend to support that because the the herb and the berries of it uh, are riddled with hormonal, uh, what we call steroidal substances, which explain the the reason why this particular herb or plant, the berries of it, are one of the most used natural remedies, or in Europe they would say one of the most, most used natural drugs to manage various conditions associated with the female reproductive system. So I've been a great proponent of it. In my home uh, in the valley, I have, in fact, three trees which presently are beginning to bud because this plant, like many of the introduced Mediterranean or European herbs, tends to to assert itself deciduously. (coughs) So in wintertime, (coughs) you'll notice that the... um, the, the uh, tree sheds its leaves. It becomes typically European in appearance, not very attractive. But now I walk out of my door and, and you can see the buds asserting themselves and it develops into a beautiful, decorative, 
uh, olive coloured uh, leaf and then will develop a beautiful spike of blue flowers which will give way to the development of, of berries and it's the berries that are harvested. The herb actually is cultivated for its purpose of being used for what are called phytopharmaceuticals, that is herbal medicines, herbal drugs, mainly used in Europe and Germany in particular for addressing aspects of female reproductive dysfunction. I'm a great believer in it. It's budding at present. And I say to listeners out there who follow my program and are interested in, in, in propagating some of these, get hold of a tree, of a chase tree from your, your local um, nursery. It grows very, very easily. It's magnificent. It will not grow too tall, about two metres as high as it goes. It will be so decorative around your house that you'll stun your neighbours. But also, <laughs> each year, you will see the berries that it develops and you will know that those berries are some of the most potent medicinal substances known to herbal medicine. And I'll not elaborate too much, but this. Anyone in, in herbal medicine that knows their stuff, medical or naturopathic, knows that this herb is mandatory for addressing what's referred to as uh, infertility, functional infertility in particular. Without that herb, I would dare to say that many of us would not be able to achieve the benefits that we do achieve in addressing infertility. It is a leading remedy, and I had the pleasure of introducing it into this country in the early, well, late 70s, early 80s in Sydney, saw the first um, uses of it at Leichhardt Women's Health Centre and have prescribed it in various forms for the bulk of my 40 years of practice and I could not get the benefits that I frequently do in addressing particularly female infertility without this remarkable remedy, Vitex Agnus Castus. And without, with, with the cynics out there and the sceptics, let me just say to them and say to some of the medical cynics and sceptics, if you're having trouble and you're not getting anywhere and you have a patient that has spent a lot of money on IVF and has not got anywhere, please do them a favour and mention to them the potential associated with the European herb Vitex Agnus Castus. It's quite funny, Dennis. A couple of minutes back when you were you know, talking about actually growing and, 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 yes. and all of this, if it was not for the tone of Dennis's voice, I could have sworn I'd been propelled into Monday's episode of Gardening Talkback already. <laughs> I thought that's where I was. Good afternoon, Vincent at Maryland. Uh, you've got a question for Dennis on warming herbs and calcium today, Vincent. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, yes, I have. That's, that's correct. Hello, Vincent. Good afternoon, Dennis. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Um, a few weeks ago, I heard you discuss uh, warming herbs, yes. in particular uh, yes. ginger and turmeric. Yes. Now, <clears throat> pardon me, I've been making a ginger tea. Yes. And uh, what, uh, fresh ginger is quite easily to come by yes. in your markets. Yes. Uh, turmeric, a little yes. bit harder. Does it matter if it's ground? No, not at all. Not at okay. all. Okay, and the same as ginger, either one can be ground or both can be ground? It is probably better if you do grind it. Because if you, if you grind a herb, whether it be fresh or uh, dried, what you actually do is expose more of the surface of the herb to the actual, uh, uh, how can I call it, processing solvent. If you're going to use uh, water or if you're going to use a, a more sophisticated solvent as a manufacturer does, uh, an aqueous ethanol solvent, necessarily you need to expose the maximum surface area of the herb to the action of either an aqueous solvent 
or an ethanol-based solvent to get the active principles maximally out of the herb and into solution. Oh, very good. Okay, that's that's the first question answered. Secondly, pardon me, uh, some time ago my dentist at my last checkup, he was explaining to me how um, people that present to his uh, surgery, uh, in particular shift workers, seem to have more uh, problems with their teeth, i.e. cavities, gum disease, etc. He was explaining to me how uh, saliva, uh, the process of saliva, body manufacturing saliva, aids our dental hygiene. Yes. He did uh, mention, uh, I think it's called uh, Recal Dent. It's a chewing gum, yes. which uh, he, he uh, specifically recommends shift workers to have yes. during the night. Yes. Um, just uh, because of the, the calcium uh, component of it. Yes. I'm just wondering if there's just an over-the-counter uh, all-round calcium um, product that you could recommend that would, you know, aid the teeth okay. as well as the bones. Uh, that's a big call, but my immediate uh, response would be to say that if there is a reason behind this, and I'm sure there is, um, my uh, thoughts would be that if you can maximise uh, the, the presence and activity of saliva, um, that should contribute significantly to uh, overcoming the problem, and I would think that just a, a herbally-based uh, chewing gum may work okay. just as well, uh, keeping in mind that that uh, licorice uh, is uh, uh, what we call a sialagogue. Now, the term sialagogue essentially means something that will promote uh, salivary activity. Uh, licorice is one of those. Now, the only thing I would say is that one has to be cautious with using huge amounts of licorice because it can promote in huge amounts a blood pressure ele elevation, but you can purchase licorice-flavoured uh, uh, chewing gum and that in itself, I think, would go a long way to meeting what this good dentist is pointing out. You have two processes. The actual chewing itself is a, is a promotional activity for salivary activity. And if you're chewing on a gum uh, that contains a sialagogue, uh, licorice or some other sialagogue, well, then, to my way of thinking, you're doing something to offset what seems to be a very reasonable explanation. Dennis, so before we go to our next caller, just a, a quick caller coming in and ask for you to um, recall a, um, a uh, Alzheimer's remedy that you looked at other than cat's whiskers and ginkgo. Is there something you can recall there? Look, I probably would have been talking about the group of herbs known as Brahmi remedies that are Asian herbs and, and popularly used in Asia to address... Uh, memory function and increasingly in that society to address certain aspects of the development of Alzheimer's. Not a cure but a useful herb where, where memory is failing in its early stages. Uh, a good history behind it. The two herbs known as Brahmi herbs are Bacopa and Gotchicola. Two herbs, Bacopa moniera and Gotchicola. Um, I've used both those herbs in kids' conditions for treating things like attention deficit disorder, uh, kids that are poor performers at school. And for the cynics out there, let me just say I have had uh, numerous papers and letters sent to me from uh, school teachers attesting to the change in a child's performance as a result of using the so-called Brahmi herbs, which I'm also promoting as perhaps useful. 
factor for addressing early stages of, of dementia. All right, thanks for that, Dennis. Good afternoon, Helen at Raymond Terrace. Uh, you have something for Dennis today, Helen. Yes, Dennis. Um, yes. I'm just wondering what the relevance of, I'm not sure the pronunciation, I heard called Cycle, S-I-C-A-L, or Sickle, um, to um, SNS-Elect granuloma. Now, just to make it clear, I don't have this. My cat has it. But from what I read, it's also a condition that appears in humans as well as other animals. And when I'm looking up to get try and find some um, more information, this was a herbal remedy that that I was given. Now, are you um, and, and you, aware you, you, of you, you, You're not sure of the, uh, of the name or the pronunciation of it? Oh, I just wondered whether if you know the herb and um, if it would be relevant to use it if, to treat this um, mouth so cancer. You, you're using it to, to treat a mouth cancer? That's the information that I found was to use this herb. So, I mean, they've injected her with cortisone to start with to try and hit the growth on the head. Okay. Look, to be honest with you, Helen, I don't. Um, Okay. What what I suggest you do is is ring my New Lambton number and give me, uh, uh, to my receptionist, information that you have on hand about where it's used, the, the, the suspected name of the herb, and I will do do some research on you and pers- on it and personally get back to you. But off the cuff, I'm not familiar with with uh, with the situation or a herb used for it. And I'm always uh, Helen, just a little bit sceptical about remedies that purport to address any form of cancer. All right, thanks for that, Helen. We'll put you back on hold and uh, we'll uh, get you some of uh, those details very, very shortly. Uh, Dean from Madawi, uh, good afternoon, uh, Dean. You're looking for some IVF help from Dennis today. Yeah, g'day. I was just um, listening to the radio before and I just missed the, um, the name of the herb he was talking about, that's okay. all. Dean, my response um, uh, to this would be that uh, with... Um, if you're having IVF, or you, if your uh, partner's having IVF, um, yep. it's 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 wise uh, to make sure that anything you're taking doesn't clash with any aspect of the procedure you're having. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's generally speaking, I advise people uh, to discuss their intention with yep. their with their medical managers, uh, and also. The reason for the IVF has a bearing on whether uh, a herb could be appropriate. Um, Not always uh, are herbs appropriate to address uh, infertility. Um, What I have referred to earlier as functional infertility um, is is a a condition of infertility where upon investigation, the lady and and the the man have been shown to have, uh, have, have good uh, chemistry and that there's no reason to suspect um, yep. that there's any major problem. Uh, they've undergone yep. investigation. They've been trying for years to conceive and nothing has happened. Uh, in that situation, functional infertility, this is where I believe uh, a, a natural treatment incorporating uh, a major remedy, which I was talking about, Vitex Agnus Castus, is, in my opinion... Um, a very exciting prospect. I, I could talk all morning, Dean, about yep. the successful procedure of addressing 
some forms of infertility with herbal medicine. And for the yeah. skeptics, again, if for the skeptics, please just go and have a look at the testimonials, the photographs, um, the number of people that bring the child in subsequent to using yep. the herbal approach. And I'm, if people think I'm boasting, well, they're misinterpreting. What I'm yeah. trying to say is there are people out there who are desperate, who have exhausted the mainstream medical procedure and for no reason can't fall pregnant. Those people frequently think this is the end of the line. The number of times that I have heard that in my 40-odd years of practice and yet have been able to help people, one outstanding case in recent times of a woman 42 years of age who was told forget about it, the yep. number of times women in that situation have been helped using, yeah. uh, using yep. herbs, uh, frequently incorporating a leading remedy such as Vitex agnus castus. Now, I would conclude by saying this, Dean, that... Uh, it's not just as, as simple as going and getting some Vitex and falling pregnant. The thing yeah. that you have to do is to take a standardised preparation of the herb, usually yeah. usually in the context of companion remedies. I have lectured on my uh, formula all around Australia and in, and, and in New Zealand. The formula incorporates Vitex agnus castus, but it also incorporates the two major American herbs, what are called true and false unicorn root, as necessary companions with Vitex to address stubborn cases of female infertility. So I, I would be happy to discuss that further with you, but Vitex, without Vitex... Yep, Vitex, yep, yep. I'll run it through with my doctor and... Um, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I think you'll find that uh, there's an openness in the medical profession, uh, particularly when the mainstream approach is exhausted, uh, the thing that I would say here is be cautious. Just don't go into a health food store or a pharmacy and say, um, I want a formula for infertility. It's not like that. Uh, a medical herbalist, well-trained, understanding the chemistry and activity and indications of herbal medicine, they're the ones that get confidence from our medical colleagues because we know what we're saying and doing. But it's very easy in desperation to get done by people that just want to flog herbs and make claims for them that may not be appropriate. Uh, you talk it over with your doctor. Many GPs know of me in the town. Uh, some like me, some don't. Too bad. But raise it with them because there's a possibility. To NURFM 103.7, we're here with Dennis Stewart and Health Naturally. Dennis, we've kind of got that step into spring. I noticed you mm. bound in earlier on, you know, the oh, yeah. flower, all of yeah. that. Yeah. It's, all there. it's all there. You've dealt with one spring herb. There yeah, is another right. one you'd like to cover quickly and, and today. This is uh, an outstanding remedy. People have heard me mention on this program before the ginkgo. Yes. Now, the ginkgo is a tree, but the ginkgo dies back as, as it should do. It's a cold climate tree, but fortunately for us, it grows brilliantly in this country. If you go to places like Japan, as I've been, they actually revere the tree and actually bandage its trunk to protect it, I suspect, from all sorts of things. It's a beautiful avenue tree used in places like Japan. And if you want to see a good stand of it in, in full uh, flower, um, blossom or full leaf development, in a, in a month or so, drive past Knox Grammar School at Warunga there, on the left-hand side as you're driving towards Sydney, there's a beautiful stand of uh, ginkgo trees. They're an avenue tree. I've grown them everywhere I've gone. 
And today I'm mentioning it because my ginkgo in my home is budding. It's asserting itself. And I feel good because I have encouraged this tree to be propagated and to be grown. And I say to all listeners, I say to all listeners, you are missing out on something. If you don't go to your nursery and get hold of a ginkgo tree, the oldest tree known on the planet, it shouldn't be here, it belongs to a previous evolutionary era. Once you've got it in, every year you will see at this time of the year it asserts itself and says something about its reputation as an anti-aging remedy. So ginkgo, another brilliant remedy, asserting itself in springtime, its leaf, its leaf harvested, grown commercially in places like Japan, where the amber-coloured leaf that's gathered in the fall becomes the basis of an extraction process to manufacture many of the ginkgo products that are in our pharmacies and health food stores. Dennis, you mentioned a couple of places where it does grow there. I think we'll have to, if we want to observe it, we'll have to come and see it at your place because the other place you mentioned near Knox Grammar School, too busy trying not to get pinged by the bloody speed camera there to be worrying about what herbs and trees they've got growing. I can tell you, I'll tell you a naughty story one day about uh, my accessing a ginkgo leaf uh, in the uh, what you might call the, the, the lovely suburban attitude of Wurunga in the early days when we were looking for some leaf to experiment with. Oh, uh, I'll not say anymore. We'll get you taken out of here. <laughs> I'll you taken out of here. Good afternoon, Faye at Rutherford. How can Dennis help uh, your daughter, Faye? Yes, I was hoping... Hello, Dennis. Hello, Sorry. Faye. Yes, um, my daughter was born with EB, um, yep. epidermolysis bellosa, yep. uh, any trauma to the skin... She develops a blister and then it breaks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But she's had a lot of trouble with her tongue and um, any food that um, hurts that um, and everything. And it's been raw for quite a while. That she can't eat any spicy oh, dear, foods. Dear, dear. So I was just wondering, um, I used to coat it with gentian violet, but that's gone off the market. Okay. Um, is there anything you can suggest that I can coat it, or she can coat it with? Sorry, she's 50. 57? Yeah, 57. Look, that, mm. that, that's a, a big ask, Faye. And, oh, right. I thought I've it got, might have been, darling, yeah. I've got, <laughs> I, I've, I can only make one or two um, summations here. Yeah. Uh, gentian violet uh, has a number of properties, but one of its properties is that it is astringent. And what's an, an astringent substance is something that, uh, how can you call it, uh, lessens the permeability of the tissue that it comes in contact with, tightens, right. tightens the tissue, and builds yeah. up builds up a resistance to irritability. But um, you can't buy it anymore, darling. No, I'm not talking about yeah. that though. Other oh, yeah. other substances like that that have yeah. a, an astringent characteristic. Um, yeah. I think what I would be doing uh, is going to your pharmacist mm -hmm. and asking for an astringent substance. Um, that, and it's A-S-T-R-I-N-G-E-N-T, an astringent substance which is substance. used frequently used in herbal medicine to protect uh, mouth conditions, particularly yeah. in things like gingivitis and, yeah. and uh, uh, sore throat conditions. Something as simple, yeah. something as simple as as, as sage um, right. could be useful. But look, it's uh -huh. it's not a condition. That no, complementary therapists. I didn't think so, but I just oh no! Look, I, I would, uh, I would be, have, um, I would be happy to uh, 
do a little bit of work on this for you, Faye. So what yeah, I will do, you. what I will do when I go to the reception desk, I will get your a telephone number if you don't mind from the I'll receptionist, them, yes. and yes. I will I will do a bit of work. And if I say I will do a bit of work, I will, and yes. I'll get back to you and say if the, if there are any things that might, and I put that in in capital letters, yes. might be yes. of use. So leave yes. it with me. I'll see what there is medically and non-medically that yes. might be able to take the place of the gentian violet. Oh, thank you very much, Dennis. Okay. I really appreciate it. Good, 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 good. All right, all uh, the best there, uh, Faye, uh, with that, and hopefully uh, Dennis so you can reconnect uh, a little while uh, from now. Uh, Wayne from Walls End, Dennis, rang just to say there's a, a, zinco, a ginkgo tree rather in Walls End Park behind the pavilion. Reckons it's about 40 years yeah, old. What do you that's reckon? Right. And look, they grow forever and ever and ever. And I would encourage people, if you've never seen a developed ginkgo tree, Take a trip to Walls End Park. Remarkable, mm. beautiful park. I drive past it so frequently. Uh, go there, enjoy the tree. It's a little bit early yet because it we're just starting to bud. But another month or two and it will have those beautiful, uh, uniquely shaped leaves that go back to a previous geological era. They are the leaves on the ginkgo tree that are harvested and are used to address various uh, conditions, including early dementia symptoms, particularly, particularly memory failure. And other and unlike that spot in Sydney you tried to point us to, Dennis, there's no uh, thieving speed camera. It's a little bit closer. A little bit closer. Knox Grammar or Walls Head Park. Mm, I'm not sure. Last up today, we're going to stick with the ginkgo, okay. uh, uh, okay. Dennis. Good afternoon, Dallas at Dungog. You want to add your two cents to this, mate? I do, probably five cents. That's, oh, okay. that's uh, worth uh, it. Yes, uh, when I... I moved to Sydney to work and live in 8081. Yes. I discovered the ginkgo. Yes. And when I was uh, building a fence at Warunga, yes. uh, at a, the a fellow who owned Alto Ford, and I asked him if I could take a cutting from his ginkgo. Yes. He said, well, yes, but a small one. And I <laughs> took a small branch and cut it. It made uh, seven... Um, portions yes. and and five struck in the in yes. pots yes and uh i've been uh, one still in sydney where my wife lived yes and uh the rest are planted here at dungog yes and uh they're, they're a marvelous tree and that's how i got started on the ginkgo and it's certainly a tree with a history it is indeed and in fact people uh should appreciate what i've said that uh the literature and the history of the of the tree supports the view that it shouldn't even be here. It belongs to a previous geological era which survived some of the significant changes in the Earth's characteristics. And there's a, there's a bit of a story, I don't know whether it's mythological or not, that says the ginkgo survived because it was rediscovered, if you like, in a remote uh, Buddhist monastery in China. And as a result of that, uh, it developed... Uh, a, a reputation and began to be planted particularly all around uh, Japan and, and China, particularly in Japan. Now, I don't know whether that's just mythological or not. It sounds good, but it emphasises the preciousness of the ginkgo. And I come back again and say this. Listeners, if you haven't got a ginkgo, get one. It'll outlive you, but it'll be beautiful in watching this medicinal plant par excellence 
grow to its maximum characteristics. Gee, we had some, uh, Latin names there. You yeah, throw a bit, of, a bit, of, bit, of, French, bit yeah. of French in there just then. Uh, I well, I, I, I could, but it's a bit late in the day. And uh, and like Dallas's trees, Dennis, they're now 40-plus years old in his yeah, own, so yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. Look, we've uh, run smack bag out of time, so we went to, into a different road today, spring, and obviously there'll be a few more herbs that, that are timely for this time of year that we'll get into over the next couple we of months. We will indeed. We will indeed. Dennis, have yourself a great weekend. Thank you, mate. As always, a fantastic health naturally.